I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. So that COVID's not really done yet time. We'll talk about that here in a minute time. Football news time. Got some got some basketball discussion, but uh, some football news time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a chilly Tuesday evening in Knoxville, Tennessee. believe the temperatures dropped just below freezing, which is about 18 degrees less than I'm comfortable with the temperature ever being for any reason. But we're not going to talk about weather in this podcast. It's just a nice way to segue over uh, to discuss who we're going to have on this podcast because you're going to go from me complaining to the guy who never complains because he never has any emotions, and that's the one and the only Grant Ramey from the Govals 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office down in Maryville. Grant, what's up, man? I think I should write a motivational book about my lifestyle or something. Sometimes I think that. Uh, there are times where I think, you know, I, I try to, as I get older, be a little bit less volatile, uh, certainly than I was in my 20s. My God, I was obnoxious back then, but... You know, uh, there are times, uh, at least once a week or so, where I think, you know what? If I could just handle this the way Ramey does, I think I could. Uh, I think I could learn something. And I'm telling you, Try. it's the truth. It's the truth. I, I'm. We're sitting here kidding, but it's the truth, buddy. It'd be a very short book. I don't. I don't. I mean, <laughs> just okay. Whatever. Next. <laughs> End of book. <laughs> you know what? I've read worse books than that in my life. I mean, you know, certainly, and they took a lot more time than that. Grant, we thought we were going to be discussing a Tennessee basketball game primarily with this podcast, with the Vols uh, having a, a schedule, a game that was scheduled. They're supposed to be in Columbia, South Carolina tonight. Then South Carolina had its another bout with the coronavirus. They just they've had it awful down there in Columbia. Uh, so Tennessee, they, they do a bit of a twerk uh, to the schedule a little bit there, twerk, tweak, whatever it is that uh, is not the one that's 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 naughty dancing. They had Tennessee <laughs> going to Nashville. Uh, to play Vanderbilt on Tuesday tonight as a replacement game before hosting the Commodores on Saturday. Then, lo and behold, it comes out on Tuesday morning. Vanderbilt's having issues with COVID, so the Vols go from uh, from Nashville. They get back on I-40. They come back to Knoxville, and they'll just maybe hope to play the, the Commodores on Saturday. So we'll talk more about that and Tennessee basketball in the second segment. But But there's news here, football news in the first segment, big, big news for Tennessee. Uh, Kevin Steele, who was the highest paid to assistant football coach in all of the country uh, this season, is now at Tennessee. He signed a two-year contract for 450 k per year plus incentives. That means that Auburn will be paying him $2 million per year for the next two years, while Tennessee pays him just 450 plus incentives if the contract stays as it is now. And, of course, Grant, that normally would be 
hey, that's big news, and it is, but it doesn't really clarify things because Steele's contract just says assistant football coach. We don't know what that means other than the fact that he's not the head coach, and right now the head coach is still Jeremy Pruitt, even though some people are, are convinced that there's still a chance that won't be the case much longer. So what in the wide world of hell do we make of this? Um, I mean, Tennessee's crazy as always. Like the, it's it's always hard to figure out what's going on in Tennessee and what's going to happen next. But it would be kind of even beyond Tennessee's level of craziness to hire Kevin Steele and have Jeremy Pruitt quoted in the press release saying uh, about how he's worked with Kevin in the past and you know all these glowing things about him, and have Kevin Steele quoted in the press release saying stuff about Pruitt and working with him in the past and all that stuff and then turn around and not have Pruitt as your head coach moving forward after you've waited how long now, three weeks or so, three and a half weeks since the end of the season where everybody's looking for clarity and some kind of answer to what's going on moving forward. Well, it seems like this is kind of an answer. Pruitt's still the head coach. Pruitt's obviously going to sign off on something like this if you're adding somebody to your staff. Um, So maybe it's somewhat of an answer of what's going on. I mean, I think it's, should be fairly easy to connect the dots that this guy's coached linebackers for almost 40 years. He's going to be your linebackers coach. He's, he's not your defensive coordinator because as we reported on Monday, it was going to be a non-coordinator position. And now he's labeled in this press release as a defensive assistant coach. So I, I would imagine kind of connecting dots and, and trying to read between the lines. It says he has this new linebackers coach. Yeah. That seems to me what the, the most sensical thing here is because in reality, Kevin Steele, uh, could coach any place on the defense. He could coach the D-line. He could coach the linebackers. He could coach the secondary. I mean, the guy was the highest-paid assistant coach in college football. The guy has, you know, w- with a couple of, of, of you know, exceptions here or there, been a really, 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 really good defensive coordinator. Uh, and when you can do that, you can coach linebackers, you can coach line, you can coach secondary, you can coach all that stuff. But it does stand to reason that, uh, he's done linebackers the most, so that would be what he would do because, uh, you know, there there are rumors about every single person on Tennessee staff, and that's just kind of where things are right now with the program and the insanity. But Derek Ansley is still Tennessee's defensive coordinator. He and Jeremy Pruitt have always had a good relationship. I think this, you know, from the outside looking in, uh, if you want to go by Occam's razor here, uh, Tennessee was able to go get a steal of a deal, and I, I really don't mean that as a pun because this is a guy who, you know, is kind of it's almost like the Butch Jones treatment the opposite way. You're getting a guy who uh, most just about any defensive staff or any football staff in the country would love to have, and you're getting him for 450k a year, which is no matter what's going on, you just really can't you really can't turn down that deal, can you? No, and I mean everybody's always going to mention that West Virginia game when when Kevin Steele's name comes up and and when a team scores what was it 70 on you? Yeah, it was a um, lot. That's that's gonna that's gonna happen. Funny story. I worked for American Airlines when that game happened, and me and my dad found Orange Bowl tickets uh, in the three hundred level in Miami for eight bucks a piece. So we flew down there for free and did a weekend in Miami for like fifty bucks at the game, at the flights, and some cheap motel near South Beach. But so, so that's the most random uh, note that's ever going to be shared on this podcast. But I mean, I think if you're still and you've been at Auburn the last five years you've been at Alabama you've been at Clemson you've been at LSU uh, you've been at Florida State dating back you know the last 20 years or so I think there's a reason you keep getting those jobs and I think there's a reason that you're like you said at one point was the highest paid assistant coach in football um, 
and it's it's a veteran, obviously. It's a guy with Tennessee ties that, that played for Johnny Majors that coached alongside Philip Fulmer. Um, to be able to bring him back and to add that veteran presence to your staff. I mean, Tennessee is obviously uh, a coaching staff that, that has issues that need to be addressed, that, that you need to be a lot better moving forward at, at developing your talent uh, and putting a better product on the field, um, especially at linebacker after what we saw in 2020. So you would think this is a pretty nice step forward for this staff, assuming things move fo- forward somewhat normally, even though, we throw normal out the window around here. Yeah, the, that West Virginia Clemson game is one that a lot of people will, will never forget. I think that was Clemson's first game, like big, huge game when it had come back, kind of as a national power. And if I remember correctly, I might be wrong about that, but I think that was like that was a huge game because it wasn't like a title game, but it was Clemson's kind of you know reemergence on the national scene to some extent. And, and a, a near and dear friend, a very good friend of mine, went to Clemson. Used to work for Clemson. He's a huge, huge, huge Clemson fan. And he was there that night in that stadium, uh, not with you, but he was there also in the stadium. And told me that he was really, really lucky to not go to jail that night because that's how that's how bad that night was for Clemson and, and how foggy his memories were after that game because it was just miserable. But yes, I mean this is this is something where. When you're in the situation Tennessee's in right now, and again, let's be clear about this, Grant. This Tennessee program, this administration, this university does not really deserve the benefit of the doubt in terms of, well, they're not going to do something crazy. You know, like there are some organizations like, you know, you look at you know, like the Patriots, you look at Bama football and you go, well, they're probably not going to do anything really, really crazy. No, Tennessee might do something crazy because that's, that's Tennessee and it, it's always a possibility. But you're right, I, I, I don't see – some people are trying to play three-dimensional chess with this, and I just don't know that I see that right now. Is that possible? Sure, it, it, uh, it is. I mean, Kevin Steele was a guy who was almost Tennessee's head coach three years ago. He was a guy who could have been Auburn's head coach this year uh, on a full-time basis. You know, that, that if that search, maybe if Harson, if that hadn't worked out, maybe they would have gone with, with, with Steele. So, you know, he's a guy who, in a pinch, you know, obviously could be a head football coach. But I, I, I don't think this is – one of those kind of bring him in to usurp the throne kind of deals. I, I, I just don't – that to me is, is a sort of conspiracy theory that just boggles the mind because if you're Tennessee and you're trying to to kind of add stability to your program, you don't make that move thinking that this is going to be the move that sets up another move. I, I just maybe – I'm, maybe I'm crazy, Grant. I, I just don't – I, I don't know how that uh, that 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 just would be that 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 would be weird. Yeah, I don't know how Tennessee would be pulling all these different strings behind the scenes and making this stuff happen. When in the past we've seen, even in the most normal of circumstances, you fire your coach in November, you have a coaching search that you you know is coming, uh, and you you make the firing happen, and then you go through the search. And even when it's normal, a normal scenario like so many other college football programs grow through when they get a new head coach that even those searches don't turn out to be normal or straightforward or what, what you'd really want as a fan as just an easy cut and dry coaching search. You get your guy and you move on. It's, it's not been like that in the past. And I don't think there would be any reason to think moving forward, like like you said, that there's some huge game going on here behind the scenes and all this, three-dimensional chess and stuff like this it just wouldn't make sense like we mentioned earlier Pruitt speaking in this press release still talking about Pruitt in this press release Plowman signing this contract Fulmer Pruitt all however many signatures were on there 
this wasn't a memorandum of understanding, right? This was a full-fledged contract. So. Yeah, it, it was a good, I think, I think we got, got an email copy of it today. I think it, I think obviously you did too. I think it's what, 25 pages or something, 35 pages. It's a, so it's, it's a full contract. It would just make no sense for me to, to bring in this guy when you have so many other, uh, so many other balls up in the air trying to figure out what's going on here. This to me signals that Jeremy Pruitt's the head coach and he's adding a guy to his staff uh, and things are moving forward. Obviously this investigation is ongoing and, and who knows what it's going to lead to, what it's going to find, how severe the, the penalties might be moving forward, you know, who would be the victim on this staff of this investigation. That's all to be determined. But when you just look at this situation for what it is, I, I think you don't have to look too far to just see that it's Jeremy Pruitt adding a veteran uh, defensive-minded coach to his staff. Yeah, because if, he, if you hire Steele and then you fire Pruitt and then you hire a different head coach – You've basically just signed 450k a year that you're, you're saying to your new head coach. By the way, I hope you like Kevin Steele as your defensive coordinator, because uh, or you're uh, on your staff because he's here and he's got a two-year right. fresh two-year contract. And by the way, if he if you don't uh, if you don't decide to keep him, then well, we're paying him 450k over the next two years, and that that just or for I guess nearly a million dollars over the next two years. So that that's not. I, you know, I, I think. Listen, it's Tennessee. Anything could happen here, but I think we need to talk about what is the most likely scenario here. Not definite, but the most likely scenario here, which is that Kevin Steele's on Tennessee's football staff. And for people who who don't know much about Kevin Steele, I imagine most of our listeners probably do, Grant. But this is a guy who, you know, a lot of people are forever going to talk about that Clemson game. But this is a guy who was was he played for for Tennessee for Johnny Majors for a few years, started his coaching career at Tennessee. Uh, then bounced around, came back to Tennessee, then went to other places around the country, went to the NFL. The guys that he's coached for in his career, he's worked for uh, Dom Capers, Tom Osborne, uh, Nick Saban, Dabo Swinney, Les Miles. I mean, you know, and Gus Malzahn, who did some some nice things at Auburn. You know, th- this guy's worked for a lot of really good head coaches who have done things a lot of different ways. And, and by and large, he's had success. And the the way he coaches defense and the way they do things, I mean, he's he's always been pretty darn good at it. So I, I think this is something that Tennessee has had a lot of uncertainty. Tennessee had a miserable year. And, and we don't know, quite frankly, what the future is. But this piece of news right here for Tennessee, I think, is good news. I, th- I think for sure it's good news because this is something that you needed. If this is the staff moving forward, if – if this is your head coach and going into 2021, you needed to shore up some things defensively. They struggled at linebacker, obviously. Um, even if he's not linebacker's coach, there was, you know, there's problems uh, at all three levels of this defense that need fixing, obviously. I think Jeremy Pruitt would be the first to admit his defense didn't play up to its potential. And you're not asking him, obviously, to be a play caller and to be your defensive coordinator, um, even if you're not a huge fan of Kevin Steele and, and the work he's had. Uh, over the last you know handful of years you're asking him to come in and or at least it seems to you're asking him to come in and be a position coach and focus on developing a certain position uh, and talent on the field there so I mean you're not asking him to do what he's been doing uh, at Auburn you know at Clemson at Alabama uh, in his last few stops at LSU you're asking him to come in focus on a position group and you're you're going to hope uh, that he makes you better at that position group, and he, uh, he makes your coaching staff better as a whole. Yeah, I think uh, if you're Henry Toto or you're Quavaris Crouch or you're one of those guys, the, 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 Quavaris Crouch, the, the, this is good news for you probably. 
Uh, this means that you're no matter what's going to happen, if you stay at Tennessee, you're probably going to be in pretty good hands there uh, with, with your position. So I, I think that part of it is good. We'll see what goes on in the future with that. You know, there, there's always all kinds of rumors going around, and, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. There are people who are talking on different sides of what's going on behind the scenes in Tennessee right now. Just about everyone has some sort of a personal interest in that deal. And that's causing two completely different strains of uh, strands of thought, and it's it's kind of hard to thread the needle right now and figure out exactly what's going on. That's as candid as I can be. I don't want to speculate uh, because there are people who have a vested interest in in this thing being bad, uh, you know, in terms of this investigation, and there are people who have a vested interest in in, in this being no big deal. So, you know that that is what it is, and that that's what I'll say about that. But. We'll continue to monitor all that. We'll we'll see what's going on. But in terms of the roster, before we go to break quickly, Ty Chandler is going to transfer to North Carolina. That also came out on Tuesday. Tennessee senior running back uh, is leaving. We knew last week he said he was going to go into the portal, as some others on the team have. Uh, you know, you got Jared Garantano going out to Washington State, which I think is a good move for him. That's a much less – it's a good league and, and, and not as much pressure necessarily in that environment. Certainly Pullman's not as crushing as Knoxville is in that way. Uh, Sean Schamberger is also going to go into the portal. That's not surprising. He was in and out of the doghouse quite a bit. Um, but none of this none of this news that's come out in the past week or so roster-wise, Grant, has, has really surprised me. Matthew Butler coming back is big. That's going to help Tennessee up front defensively. But I don't think any of this news has really been shocking. No, I mean, the Sean Schamberger stuff, I mean, you could put kind of two and two together there. He was gone from the team for the last how many weeks of the season? I can't even uh, really. A few, certainly. Right. I mean, you kind of saw that, that there was going to be a, a parting of ways there just because of the way that situation played out. He missed time. He wasn't with the team late in the year. Uh, so that happens. And, and J.G., yeah, I mean, he needed a new fresh start. Uh, you can't get much farther away from Knoxville than yeah, Pullman. So for him to have an opportunity to go and, and kind of rewrite some stuff in the past, and, and if he has success out there, um, that would be really good for him, uh, obviously, moving forward uh, in his football career. I think Todd Chandler, that's a, that's a really nice fit yes, uh, in is. North Carolina. I agree. Uh, what they're what, what Mac Brown's doing there. Um, does, his, does his career date back to Robert Gillespie? Or yeah, or? And, and Robert Gillespie and Tommy Thigpen, were the, were, were the, that was the primary and secondary recruiter who signed him to Tennessee. So, right. yeah, he knows okay. those guys very well. It, it's, a, it, it's a perfect fit for Ty Chandler. I think it's really, really good for him. Right, I couldn't. Uh, it's hard to keep up with the the years and the hires, yes, and the it fires. Is. And, yes, and it who is. Who was here at what point and uh, what point that player signed and committed and enrolled and and all that stuff. But yeah, I really like that fit, Ty Chandler to North Carolina. Hopefully, he has a a really good year there at the Tar Heels. And there's lots of other football news to discuss. There, you, we're obviously going to have more podcasts. You know, there's going to be more news that's going to come out in the next couple of weeks. You know, the signing date. Um, you know, is coming here just just around the bend in a few weeks, and so that'll be interesting. There's certainly going to be guys going into and out of the portal. I think there are going to be some players that Tennessee will also add. Um, I think there you would have seen uh, Tennessee add a few more already, but I think what's going on behind the scenes there has has sort of spooked some a little bit. Uh, which is understandable completely. Uh, I think that it makes the the decision that Hendon Hooker made even more surprisingly good for Tennessee uh, because, you know, that was, hey, that's taking a leap into the dark, but uh, he's a guy who's a good football player. So I think that's that's good news for Tennessee. 
bottom line is there's lots to discuss there. We'll continue discussing it. Stay on this feed. We'll have more news and more information on that. But right now, we're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to some products and some some in-house ads, some some services, some other fun things. And we're going to come back, and we're going to quickly wrap up some stuff with Tennessee basketball, uh, which obviously had an interesting few days, um, but generally seems to be playing better ball right now. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the GoBoss 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio and Grant Ramey coming to you from the GoBoss 24-7 Blunt County Satellite Office down in Maryville on a chilly, chilly Tuesday evening here in the beautiful East Tennessee region of these United States of America. Grant, Tennessee basketball, we mentioned this in the intro, so we don't have to go too much into it, but the bottom line is it's been a weird four days for the 10th-ranked Vols, who, by the way, uh, fell from 9th to 10th in the AP poll, even though they didn't lose last week. I think that was a reward for for Michigan, I believe, more than it was a punishment for Tennessee. Um, But the Vols, you know, I think the past few days have showed that you know, you thought that some of this stuff was behind some teams, and for Tennessee, maybe knock on wood, it is. But a lot of other programs across the country are still very much dealing with this issue, and it's just, you know, I, I doubt this will be the last time that Tennessee's had to have a game rescheduled. And lo and behold, there have been two in, I guess, seventy-two hours that have been moved. So, just sign of the times, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is, and, and to kind of reconstruct this a little bit they were playing at a&m saturday afternoon in the second half uh we started to be told that vanderbilt might be the replacement team for south carolina on tuesday after south carolina had already had to post it announced on friday that it was postponing a saturday game if you don't play saturday you're probably not playing tuesday or wednesday so South Carolina was dealing with it and Missouri was dealing with it and Vanderbilt was playing Missouri and Tennessee was supposed to play South Carolina. So they moved Vanderbilt, Tennessee to Tuesday. Tennessee started hearing about that right after the game. And by the time they were on the team bus, done post game interviews, post game radio, all that stuff, they had heard from the SEC that it was confirmed. So they go to Vanderbilt Monday night. They have uh, Monday afternoon, I guess, Monday evening. They have a shoot around at Memorial Gym Monday evening. Um, basically Kim English's Instagram story basically summed up the the basketball season as a whole or the sports kind of trying to play through this thing because he had an IG story Monday night from Memorial gym and it said, what's good Nashville. And he had an IG story from the team bus on I 40 
Tuesday morning saying, what's up, Knoxville? <laughs> like, that's that's how quickly it changed. And it was already a unique week because you had already rescheduled a game and you're going to play Vanderbilt Tuesday in Nashville, and then you're going to turn around and play Vanderbilt Saturday in Knoxville, a game that was already previously scheduled. Tennessee was supposed to go to Vanderbilt in late February before they moved that game up uh, to Tuesday. So Vanderbilt's going to have to clear another round of testing, I guess, Wednesday or Thursday at some point later in this week to make sure the Saturday game happens. I don't think Tennessee can find a midweek game that short of notice. The problem is all the other SEC teams are tied up that are active because Tennessee and Vanderbilt was the rescheduled result of Missouri and South Carolina being on pause for a minute. So if, uh, if South Carolina can't play this weekend, if Missouri can't play, Missouri's scheduled to play Texas A&M, South Carolina's scheduled to play LSU. If either of those games can't happen, and if Vanderbilt-Tennessee can't happen in Knoxville on Saturday because of Vanderbilt, then maybe Tennessee could get LSU, maybe Tennessee could get Texas A&M again if you want to play them again just to fill out the schedule a little bit, but that's all up in the air, and that's all depending on what Vanderbilt's tests look like the rest of the week, uh, and that's exactly kind of how you sum up this season is you got to wait until the next round of testing to see who's good and who's not good and try to piece together your schedule from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought about, you know, if there's a smaller conference team in the area, maybe, you know, someone within like a three-hour drive or so, and if they, you know, were able to – you know, if any of them had a game canceled because of their opponent, maybe you could at the last minute kind of get one of them to come to town. You know, there's certainly options that are out there if you need to, but it's just kind of up in the air, right? I mean, this this is how we knew this season might go. Uh, Tennessee had to do or or had to go through a lot of its COVID stuff on the front end, obviously missing the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, and those numbers from Rick Barnes, I forget what they are, but he's going into the season, just the amount of guys who had missed time and how much time some of them have missed was kind of crazy. And but but that's that's sort of where things are right now. And I think uh, most of the people in the Tennessee program now have had it by now. Not all of them, but I think most of them have. And I think from a numbers perspective, th- they'll probably knock on wood again, be okay for a while. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, all those good things. But it's just sort of where things are right now, and that makes me wonder, well, what do you do in the meantime? Do you take your guys and do you just go practice like you had a week off, or do you try to do, you know, Tennessee's got a big enough roster, do you enter squad scrimmage for 20 or 30 minutes? I mean, how do you, how do you handle this? I think that's an interesting question. I mean, I think I would rather scrimmage and practice or some variation of that um, than try to hustle and get a midweek game against an ETSU or even an MTSU since you're already in Middle Tennessee at the time this happened. Um, basically, you need 13 games to be eligible to, to qualify for the NCAA postseason. Tennessee's already played 10. Right now they have 14 left on schedule um, without a without having rescheduled the South Carolina game or the Vanderbilt game yet. Um, so you don't have to play it ton more games and you're going to have maybe some semblance of the sec tournament uh if things go according to plan they want it to be a normal sec tournament but i guess we'll see what that looks like when we get there um so i would kind of kind of just focus on myself um especially with the tennessee team where you have you're so so selfish you just always want to focus on yourself (laughs) right just just stay home and look at the mirror all day and just (laughs) just appreciate what the, the the what the view you're uh is looking back at you i mean i would just 
I would focus on myself and, and try to get ready because early in the year, yeah, I would try to get in as many games non-conference-wise as I can in December. But once the conference season gets here with the, the number of games you have ahead of you and what you think you can get in, I would focus on myself and get ready for Saturday. Hopefully you have a game Saturday. If that doesn't happen, if you know on Wednesday or Thursday that that Saturday game is not going to happen, then I think maybe you start trying to find something to do Saturday, find an opponent if there is COVID issues in other conferences, just so you're not sitting out for, you know, a week and a half. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, if, if you miss, you know, one game or even if you miss two games in a row, that's not the end of the world. I mean, you can still stay in shape there. But if you go into like one and a half, two weeks where you're having a hard time, at that point, I think you have to, you know, you have to call around the country and see if you can find some sort of solution to that because that that would be an issue because at the end of the day, the health and the safety of the players is, is what's paramount. And that's the only thing that, that really 100% truly matters. But uh, I, I think that you also want to play this game, you know, these games. It's important for the league. It's important for these guys. You know, some of them, some players across the country to other places have opted out. Tennessee's guys have universally said we want to play and they want to play as many games as they possibly can. I mean, probably selfishly because they know they're a good basketball team who could cut down nets. But, you know, still they want to go out there uh, and they want to play. And that's going to be interesting when it comes to conference tournament time because at that point you're going to have some people questioning whether that's a risk that you want to take before going to the NCAA tournament, which is something that, you know, you're, you're putting – if you think about it, when you talk about close contact tracing and all these other things – and if you played three or four games in three or four days, and that's a lot of people that you're exposed to that could possibly put you in a position where you're having to have guys quarantined or, or unavailable for the NCAA tournament. That, to me, would be an issue. And if I'm one of the top few teams in the SEC, I wonder if, hey, do I really do I really want to do that? I think that's a valid, valid concern that some of them might have. But if, if all 14 teams go there and then you have a couple guys – you know, a couple teams that aren't able to play, do you just move everybody up a bracket line? Like, what do you do? I mean, there there are all sorts of interesting things that are going on right now, but I think they, they want to play basketball. They're, they're going to be – this is obviously a postseason team, and I think – and I think you hinted at this earlier, Grant, I would be doing everything I could to play as many games as I could, but also not risking the NCAA tournament because, hey, this team could make a deep run. Yeah, I think if you're a fringe tournament team, you better get all the resume building done that you want done in the regular season. You can't rely on a conference tournament uh, to help you get into the field. Obviously, teams rely on it every year to help them get in the field and help their seeding within the bracket. You can't do that this year because you just don't know what's going to happen once you get there. I mean, everybody thought there was going to be a big bubble in Orlando and there's going to be all these non-conference tournaments. And it was going to be one of the bigger events in the, the college basketball season. And a couple of weeks before that, it just up and canceled because they couldn't agree on testing protocols and all that stuff, getting all that, that number of teams together and what it would mean moving forward. Um, I don't think you want to risk not having a NCAA tournament so you can have a conference tournament. That's, that's very backward. You would cancel the conference tournament or just, you know, get rid of it, modify it, whatever you got to do just to make sure you get to March and you have the NCAA tournament. We were having this discussion the other day with somebody just, just play a final four setup with your conference tournament, your top four seeds play back to back days at a neutral location, find your champion uh, and move on. That would be unfortunate for teams that don't make that field and are still trying to build their resume. 
Uh, but like I said, you better get done in the regular season because once the regular season schedule's over, uh, who knows what can change because all we've been talking about the last 10 minutes is just how much changes, how quickly it changes, uh, and you really have no idea what's coming next. Yeah, I had sort of a part of a mind at first that, that I was thinking it would be interesting if the NCAA could designate like 15 or 20 teams and say, you know what, you're in. Don't worry about it. Um, but, you know, everybody else, hey, you, you want to go ahead and play. But when you do that, you're taking a lot of teams, you know, at that point that, that would also win their conference tournament. So you're really screwing with the bubble at that point. So, so that's why I don't think you can do it that way. Um, and that's why I think the way that you mentioned probably makes more sense, even though it's also unfortunate. Um, you know, it's just maybe the lesser of two evils there. But there's a lot of things on the table. There's a lot of things that could happen. Uh, and I don't think this week's going to be the, the first time that we have to talk about things like that. So let's talk about, quickly before we get out of here, just the way the team is playing. I, I think the way that Tennessee played at a and uh, I didn't like the rebounding numbers, but other than that, I didn't have a, a ton of complaints with that performance. No, and rebounding uh, against that A&M team for whatever reason. I mean, A&M's, you know, they're, they're not a particularly great rebounding team this season like they were last season and and obviously everybody remembers how dominant they were in Knoxville last season when, when they had, what, 24 offensive rebounds, some ridiculous number. I know they out-rebounded Tennessee by 25, and they had more offensive rebounds than Tennessee had rebounds yep. as a team. Um, so that was a huge difference, and it was a difference uh, at, at A&M on Saturday. Um, but when you have Santi shooting the ball the way Santi shot the ball, um, they played defense at a – high enough level to really not really be threatened much in that game. Once it got out to 10, 12, 14, um, A&M would make some mini runs. Um, with this guard group, you know, Santi had four points against Arkansas. He had 23 at A&M. Um, there's going to be nights where Josiah Jordan James has 17 like he did against Arkansas and other nights where he's going to score two points and struggle with foul trouble like he did against A&M. I don't think there's going to be a ton of, um, I don't know, average – or you know kind of what you're going to get night in and night out from all these guards just because the yeah, backcourt. Yeah, Bailey could drop 30 one night and then not score, you know, much right. the next and, game. I mean, it's just because the way he plays. And and that could be frustrating for fans because you want to know, you want this guy to show up every single night. But I think Tennessee can get away with it because if, if Santi's not scoring, maybe Victor Bailey Jr. scores. And if Josiah's not scoring, maybe it's Jaden Springer that's scoring. Maybe if Jaden struggles, it's Keon Johnson's that's, that's scoring and, and getting to the foul line and stuff like that. I think because of the depth they have in the backcourt and the the different options they have, they're they're all good players, but there's not a ton of separation between each player that I think it's just kind of going to go like that for a while where you, you don't know what you're going to get, but you're probably going to get a pretty good amount of production from one or two of those or three of those guys. Yeah, I think that you, you know with this team, and I know Barnes said a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago, whatever it was, that Fulkerson's minutes aren't guaranteed. I think that was Rick being a little hickory mad. John Fulkerson, if he's healthy, is going to play. You know, he's going to play 30 minutes plus in big games. You know, Eve Pons, you know, is going to play 30 plus minutes in big games. And I think Josiah Jordan-James, because of everything that he does, is going to be a heavy minutes guy just about all the time, even when he's not scoring a ton. Uh, so so that leaves, you know, what else do you have behind that? And, and at that point, we know you talked about the separation. The one kind of X factor there, or I guess you could call it two X factors because it's two guys, we know the upside of, of Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, and we know that if they just start to become all-world players, 
then they're going to it's going to be hard to take them off the court. It, you know, if they make that transformation and if they if they start doing that. But uh, in the meantime, right now what you're getting from them, you know, it's it's kind of inconsistent in the same way that what you don't know what you're going to get from Bailey and, and Vescovi, but they're all good players. So you kind of just have to look at it with different matchups and you have to know, okay, this combination will work this time, this will work another time. Foul trouble could be a factor sometimes. But we know that Tennessee basically has seven starters. The question is how many other guys, you know, are kind of going to be in that rotation because, you know, Olivier Kumwa has has played a, a huge role in some games, and then one game he didn't even come off the bench. You know, Plofsic has come off the bench and played maybe six times this season out of ten games. He's had a couple of, of good performances, solid, solid runs here or there, but hasn't really consistently been a factor. Uh, you know, Devontae Gaines goes from not playing much at all to all of a sudden against Bama, he's getting a ton of run because, you know, there's a couple of guys in foul trouble and, he, you know, he wanted the mat and Jaden Springer couldn't play. And so it changed things a little bit. So, and then you got Pember who just randomly played a lot against Alabama. So, I, I mean, it's kind of like they've got seven guys that are the ones who just have to play a lot. And then eight, nine, 10, 11, that's kind of, situational right and and the rotation does seem to be shrinking a little bit um as sec play continues but they're still very much in the experimental phase it feels like i mean keon johnson started against arkansas he didn't do anything in that game to get booted out of the starting lineup but Jaden springer started at a&m and keon johnson was back to coming off the bench and i think you could you could start both of those guys um and tennessee would be fine i mean they're still there was a lineup. It was basically a four-guard lineup, and Eve Ponds, if I'm not mistaken, that played in the first half against A&M. Uh, and Rick said after the game that was a that's a combination they haven't even practiced with. They just kind of threw it out there to see what would happen. Uh, and it was on the floor for a few minutes, and they liked what they got out of it. So I think that kind of tells you where they are with this team. They, they like this team. They like this group, the talent, the, the depth, the athleticism, what they can do defensively, how efficient they can be offensively at times. But the way they get to that point, it's still very much experimental. Who's going to come off the bench? Who's going to start? Who's going to be in the game the final eight minutes, the last media timeout from there? Um, all that stuff. So, And that's fine. I mean, that's kind of what you expected with this group. You knew what you're going to get for John Fulkerson, Eve Pons, probably Josiah, probably Santi. But outside of that, you're, you're trying to fill out what you're going to get consistently. If you can get consistent production from these guys, uh, and go from there. But it is, it's going to be a filling out process, and it's, it's still relatively early. I mean, this team's only 10 games in. Yeah, and, and all that, Grant, neither one of us mentioned E.J. Anasicki, who plays 11.2 minutes per game, and his minutes have gone down drastically in the past week. But it, it came out, I guess Rick Barnes said Monday, which would be yesterday as we're recording this, that Anasicki's going to go ahead and take advantage of the opportunity and come back and play next season again, which is good news for Tennessee because you don't know what's going on with Fulkerson. You know, Pons is probably going to almost certainly going to go pro after this year. So, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with some of the other guys on the roster. That's good news for Tennessee because I still like him as a player, and I still think when he gets comfortable, he has a role on this team. I don't know what he's going to do down the, the rest of the stretch, but I think there are going to be times where they need him. They're going to get an SEC play. They're going to have some big physical guys at times. They're going to give them some problems. And Anasicki is a guy you can go out there and say, you know what, go go out there and fight that guy. And, and I think, you know, I think you, you can get some results out of that and he can go rebound the ball at a pretty good clip. So, yeah, I mean, they've got 10, 11 guys that, that could play. And I don't think it's unusual because of the time they missed in the preseason that they're still kind of experimenting. 
No, and I didn't I didn't expect EJ to come in and be Grant Williams and be that undersized forward that is crazy productive and you wonder how how can he do so much at his size like like we wondered with Grant Williams uh when he was here. I also expected him to help this team more than he's helped them so far and and Agreed. maybe the off season and the preseason hurt him there. But to to average the double double at Sacred Heart the way he did and to, to lead them to twenty wins. Uh, the way he did last season. I expect a little bit more out of him, but moving forward, that's a guy, if you get him back, like Rick says, he's coming back, that's huge. I mean, that's what you need on that 21-22 roster. They have a signing class right now that is a point guard in Kennedy Chandler uh, and, a, and a wing in Jemai Meshack or a small forward. Uh, you need, you know, they're, they're trying to add forwards to this recruiting class. They're trying to add a big man. They're, they're waiting on Bradley Huntley Hatfield to see if he's going to reclassify from 2022 to 21 to try to add somebody like him so you're looking for forwards and and ej is a guy that's obviously a veteran um that knows the game that's that's going to have a year under the his belt in this system um in this program so you'd expect to help more next season uh since he is coming back i think it's a it's really uh, a really good piece of news for tennessee to get and not not something that i expected to them to get at this you know, this early in the schedule, I figured that's an end-of-the-year decision kind of thing, see what he wants to do when the time comes. But the fact that he's already kind of signed up and saying, yeah, I'm going to come back and use that for a year of eligibility, I think it's huge for that, that 21-22 roster. And the last thing, because we're, we're bumping up against it here with time, but but the one thing that I – you know, I I am also surprised that Anasiki has not been as, as much of a contributor as I thought he might be, and I still think he will be in the future – but I'll tell you what's not surprised me is that – and you've seen Rick Barnes kind of tilt toward this way. He's been leaning this way. He's been mentioning it more in press conferences. He's tried it some in games. He's really kind of looking at that whole Josiah Jordan-James at the four and Eve Pons at the five lineup, that kind of murder ball lineup, that really athletic, everybody can switch on everybody kind of lineup because Tennessee likes to switch a lot defensively. And, you know, we kept saying that this team was going to need one more big man and maybe it still will because, you know, a guy like Kumwa, who, again, Rick Barnes thinks that Kumwa is going to have a good future, and I don't disagree at all. I think Olivier Kumwa is going to be a good basketball player. I think there's a lot of skill there and a lot of athleticism. And once he just figures out some of the things with the game a little bit better, gets a little smoother, I think he could be really good. But I think that answer in some ways might be Josiah Jordan, James, and Eve Pond. That, that, that might be the lineup, Grant. I mean, they, they might that might be the extra big guy that we were talking about this team needing. Yeah, I mean, that length, that kind of length, that kind of athleticism um, in the post, even though you are kind of playing almost a five-guard lineup, I think you could classify Eve Pons as a guard at times uh, based on what he can do mm-hmm. on the perimeter. Uh, to have that kind of athletic ability and that and being able to switch on defense like you talked about and be able to for this group to run the floor the way they can when they put on that kind of all-guard lineup, um, yeah, I do think it's kind of headed that way. I don't I – don't, know how much of the time they'll focus on that but i don't think if you're rick barnes you experiment with a four guard lineup like you did at texas a&m saying after the game that they had never even practiced it um unless you think there's something there that you can build on and then something that you see there that can be productive and i think the arkansas and, and alabama games you know losing to alabama and again if Jaden springer plays and if tennessee doesn't do about 10 things wrong in that game i still think that's a game tennessee would win more than it loses i, I do i mean and i think alabama's good I, I do i just i think tennessee's got a a better team and i think tennessee would win a seven game series but bottom line is that game going the way it went and then arkansas being the the kind of nasty fight that it became having to come back and win that game 
I think those games really solidified in Barnes' mind. When we play teams like this, we got to be able to switch on everything. We have to have athleticism out there because these guys will shoot. They'll spread you out and shoot from anywhere, and you're going to see a lot of teams like that because uh, because good big men are just sometimes hard to find. Uh, and I think you're going to see – I think it's a direct result. You know, it's twofold. One, it's getting his best five on the floor as much as possible or getting his best seven or eight in the rotation as much as possible. But two, I think it's the way these opponents are playing them. I think that I think that really solidified in his mind that they might have to do this. Right. That that feeling out process that, that you go through with a, a new team is it's a two-way street. You're filling out your guys and what works best on your end of the court, what, you know, personnel and rotation and all that stuff. You're also trying to figure out and have that feeling out process of how teams attack you and, and what, um, what, what, what an Alabama is going to try to do to beat you opposed to what a, a Colorado or a Texas A&M or, you know, you're filling out your opponents too and trying to figure out the, all the different ways they're going to try to beat you. And, and if you can adjust on that, um, that's what it's about because as you head towards February, towards March, you know, the NCAA tournament is, is guards and matchups. If, if you have good guard play, if you can take advantage of matchups, uh, you're going to have success in March, so I think that's what you're building towards. And you can see what teams are trying to do to Tennessee. They're they're very clearly still, you know, Vescovi's improved a, a lot defensively from last season, but they're still attacking Vescovi uh, when they can, and they're also doing everything in their power to get Fulkerson and or Pons out of the game. They are doing everything right. they can. They are going at Fulkerson, trying to, you know, use some guards and some athleticism against him to kind of get him tired, get, extend him sometimes, get him exposed one-on-one. And, and they're doing everything they can to try to get some cheap fouls on Pons to get him out of the game. Because, you know, just when, when Pons is out there, the numbers with him on the court, it's just hard to score. So, I mean, you can see what teams are doing to them. But, you know, you need to have answers for that. And I think we're – we're seeing some of that. Grant, I know that we're, we're, we're bumped up against it with time here. Is there anything else you got? I, I, it's a joke. I always ask you, and I know what the answer is going to be. But you got anything else? No, I'm going to go start on my motivational novel. <laughs> it's a good idea, buddy. You go do that. Tid- titled, It Is What It Is. Chapter 1, It Is What It Is. Chapter 2, Get Over It. Yeah, the, the end. Yeah, the, the prologue or whatever uh, epilogue would be. It, uh, it was what it was. So, uh, yep. yeah. There you go. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it, buddy. See ya. And you know what? If I can find this button. And I just found it. Thanks, y'all, for listening. We appreciate it. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. If you want Just Tennessee News, you can get that all the time at Facebook.com slash GoVols247 and Twitter.com slash GoVols247. And you know, I should have mentioned this earlier, first time I hadn't done that in forever, um, but what would really help us is if you go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. That helps us a lot uh we see the numbers every week they're awesome but one thing y'all could really do to help us out go in there and mash that button go in there and rate and review that helps us add more wolves to the wolf pack and that's what we want to do if you want all of this though not just this podcast you want this podcast in written form throughout the day all day long two dozen plus articles a lot of days most days Go to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get your coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius, who does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us. we got two forums, the two, two communities that go around the clock for Tennessee fans, kind of a digital water cooler experience. we got the summit for the Lady Vols conversation and off-topic, and we've got the checkerboard for men's sports and off-topic discussion. All kinds of fun stuff on there 
as long as it's not politics or religion, fire away. Do not be afraid to ask us to do our jobs. Just about one of us is awake just about all the time. So go in there, ask a question. You will get it answered. We'll have a little bit of fun in the process. And uh, if you, you're socially distancing and you still want to have a water cooler, we got, we got you. We got you covered. Go to GoVols247.com. Or right now, you can get a flash sale for 50% off of an annual subscription, which is an awesome deal. So you should, should definitely go take advantage of that at GoVols247.com. And if you already pay us a full rate, which is still less than one freaking mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access, which is CBS's streaming platform. That's a $100 plus annual value for free in your pocket, no questions asked. That's everything in the CBS catalog, every show ever made, commercial free, new movies all the time. Uh, you know, you got live sports, Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, March Madness, NCAA tournament, NFL, World Series of Poker, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, all kinds of stuff on there, live and on demand, commercial free, tons of good stuff there. And you also get access to things from the vault of other Viacom, CBS properties, which would be Comedy Central and MTV, BET, Smithsonian, and Nickelodeon. All of that for free if you pay us what's already a reasonable rate for GoBalls 24-7. You cannot beat that deal. You cannot beat it. So go take advantage of it. If nothing else, you should hear from us later in the week, unless there's breaking news before that. And it's Tennessee, so that's always possible. But if nothing else, you'll hear from us just in a couple of days from now. Until then, wash your freaking hands, wear your freaking masks, be freaking nice to each other. Let's get through this together, and we will see you soon. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.